Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of our Leaders. Tuesday mornings live with the First Seder of Ismedrish, firstseder.org. Special welcome to our Torah anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining the share. And today we are going to talk about Rabbi Avram Ibn Ezra, better known as the Ibn Ezra. And his yard site, as we'll see, is not 100% clear, but the yard site that they say for him is Aleph Adar Rishain Tuf Tuf Kuf Chav Zayin 1167. It's not the, as we'll see, many of the details of the Ben Ezra's life are not um, so clear and not so documented. Um, it's not 100% clear what year he was born or what year exactly he was Nifter. Um, but assuming he was Nifter in 1167, which as we'll see at the end of the year, um, was written in one of his Svarim, and as we'll see at the end of the year, it seems he was Nifter at the age of 75, so um, that would make it that he was born in the year 1092. His father's name was Rabbi Meir Ibn Ezra. He was born in the city of Todila, Todila, not Toledo, Todila, which is in northeast Spain. And the name Ibn Ezra was a family name. And in fact, in Taisvis, in Mesechta Tainis, Davchaf Amid Beis, over there the Gemara is talking about Chanichasai, Chachinasai, nicknames. So the Gemara, Taisvis says over there that Chanichasai is a Kinoi Shem Mishpachti. It's a family name, it's a nickname for a family. In those days, there weren't last names. People didn't have last names till uh, only a few hundred years ago, maybe. Um, so, but sometimes families took on names, and that's what Taisu says. It's a nickname for a family, shame levoy, a name that comes along with them. And Taisu says, "Kigain Rabbi Avram Ibn Ezra shekol says, like Rabbi Avram Ibn Ezra, that his entire family is called Ibn Ezra. So even though his father's name wasn't Ezra, it was Meir. It was a very uh, famous family name in Spain at the time. It would seem from the different history books that when some, at, at a young age or sometime in his youth, he traveled to the city of Cordova. Cordova is 700 kilometers south of uh, Todila, which in the south of Spain, in the south of Svarad. And this was a central place of, uh, of uh, a central city, a place of culture, a place of uh, education. And he was well-known at the time, not only is he well-versed in Tyra, however, he was well-versed in Dikduk, he was well-versed in philosophy, astronomy, astrology, mathematics. And what stood out about Ibn Ezra, at least in his time in Spain, was that he was a Mishairer. He wrote poems, songs, uh, piyutim, as we would call them. And... That's what he was well known for at his time in Spain. Reb Moshe Ibn Ezra, which seems was a cousin of his, um, writes about him. Now, the famous Spanish python or Meshirer is Rabbi Huda Halevi. Rabbi Huda Halevi, the Bala Kuzari, and we have many um, piyutim 
um, and Kinois we have from Yehuda Levi, all the Tzioins that we say on, on Tishabav, or many of them at least are from Yehuda Levi. He was known as like the uh, epitome of the Paitanim and Mishirim in Spain. So Ramayish Ibn Ezra writes about both of them, about the Ibn Ezra, Rabbi Ram Ibn Ezra and Rabbi Yehuda Levi, Hemigil Amailus Hashir, Hashira Hayoisirama. They got to the highest levels of song. Another one of the uh, recorders at the time, Rabbi Yehuda Al-Khrizi, he was um, relating and, and enumerating the, the different talents and levels of the different Mishayre Svarad. He writes, Shire HaChacham Rabbi Ibn Ezra, the songs of the Chacham Rabbi Ibn Ezra, Ezra Batsaris, they are a help and an assistant during troubling times. The Gishmei Nidavis, and they are like a rain, Bizman Bitsiris, in a time of drought. The Chalpiyutav Neiraim, all of his compositions are awesome. The Inyanim Niflaim, Kehem Leiraum Haraim, and they have very lofty Inyanim. Like like them, nobody has ever seen. So this is what he was well known as for, as a Mishairer. This had to do with his being an expert in Dikduk, in Lashon HaKadosh. Um, had to do also with his writing of these of these um, these songs. Now he had a, a relationship with Rabbi Yehuda Halevi. And in fact, in his Pirush and Chumash, we find this relationship in Shemais Perechop, Pasuk Aleph, by Anoichi Hashem Kecha, which is a is is the, what what the Ibn Ezra talks about there happens to be a very prominent theme or a discussion in the Kuzari himself in Rabbi Yudah Levi's Kuzari. But over there in Shmais Chaf Aleph Parachapas Agalif he writes the Ibn Ezra Shalani Rabbi Yudah Levi. This is Rabbi Yudah Levi asked me, and then later on he says Vizoyis Ha'isa Chuvasi I love, and this is what I answered to him. So he had a he. It wasn't just that him and Rabbi Yudah Levi were the top Mishayrim; they had a connection with each other in Dvarim Paraklami. He quotes him again. In Daniel, Parakhtas Pasuk Beis, there's a whole shail over there. Of Daniel messed up the years in, in, in the Cheshbainas, and there's a long Ibn Ezra there, and he writes, Rabbi said this, and then he continues, I told him this, and he says this, I answered this. So they had a back and forth conversation with each other, and they had this, uh, this connection. There are those who say that Rabbi Yudah Levi was actually the father-in-law of the Ibn Ezra. The Abar Benel, in Parashas Kisisa, Perak Lamebeis, Pasuk Aleph, he writes, Shneach Chachamim, the two Chachamim, he was referring to the Ibn Ezra and Rabbi Yudah Levi, Maskimim, Adas, agree to whatever the Abar Benel is talking about over there. He says, but since they both agreed to it, he says, I assume that one got it from the other, I'm not sure which one. Im Rebbe Avram ben Ezra, Rebbe Yehuda Levi. Did Rebbe ben Ezra get it from Yehuda Levi? Aikibul hu, Rebbe Avram ben Ezra, Mechasnoi. Or did Rebbe Avram ben Ezra get it from his father-in-law, um, or the opposite, um, if, the, if, the, if Rebbe Yehuda Levi got it from his son-in-law, um, the Ibn Ezra. So the Abarbanel seems to say that Rebbe Yehuda Levi was the father-in-law of the Ibn Ezra. In the Chuvas Chavas Yar, the last Chuva Reish Lamed Ches, um, he writes there also, I saw Shehiksha Rabbi Yehuda Levi Chaisnei Shalor Ibn Ezra, Rabbi Yehuda Levi, the father-in-law of the Ibn Ezra. Um, but then he writes, now even though the 
Ibn Ezra quotes Rabbi Yehuda Levi, like we just quoted him from the newest places, the Chavis Yara writes, he doesn't mention him as his father-in-law, rather he mentions him as Menuchasai Kavoid, which means he was already Nifter, Zechrein Levracha. So the Chavis Yara comes to the conclusion, must be that the Ibn Ezra only married the daughter of Yehuda Levi after Yehuda Levi was Nifter. Now there's a story, a legend, that there is, that the way Rabbi Yudha Levi took him as a son-in-law, was he didn't know who he was, and he was, Rabbi Yudha Levi was writing on Purim, today's Purim Katan, so it's Matim, writing a, 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 a poem, I guess, for Purim, and when he got to the letter Reish, he, he couldn't figure out what to write, and he left it blank. And the Ben Ezra was there, and Rabbi Yudha Levi walked out, and the Ben Ezra filled in the uh, the Reish, and he wrote the Pir for it, and he was on his spell. He took him as a son-in-law for his for his. Uh, he took him as son-in-law for his daughter. So the Chavis Yar, according to his conclusion, that he only married the daughter of Rabbi Yudha Levi after Rabbi Yudha Levi was Nifter. So he writes on this story. He writes. He brings it in parentheses in brackets, and he writes because of who. That part of the story is Sheker. It's not true. Because I'm coming to the conclusion that he married his daughter um, after he was uh, after he was Nifter. So again, not everybody's. Even though the Barbanel writes this and the Chavis Yar writes this, but again, it seems that others are not so sure that if he was actually Rabbi Yudha Levi's son-in-law or not. But um, with all of his chachma and everything, his whole life he was very poor, destitute. And he actually has songs that he wrote. He wrote hundreds of songs. He, the songs, some we have, some we don't. He wrote some songs that actually he complains about his terrible mazel that he has. And he writes, Luya neris cherasi. If my business would be in candles, lo yesef Hashemesh ademoisi. He says, the sun would never set till I die. Then no one never need candles. I have such bad mazel that if I would be in the candle business, the sun would never set. No one would ever need candles. Um... And it's not because he didn't try. He says, I toil to be successful, and it just doesn't happen. And he, again, he says, Let's say I would be a businessman, and my business would be selling shrouds for burial. Nobody would die while I was alive, um, because uh, that's just my mazel, whatever I go into, is not successful. In one place he talks about his, his shirt or his cloak, Me'il Yeshli. says, I have this cloak, V'yikidmus Kvara, it's like a sieve, has so many holes in it. He says, I spread it out over me at night, in the darkness, and the stars shine into it, it doesn't even stay dark, because the, shi- the stars shine through the holes in his coat. In the Hakdama to Maise Eifoid, the Machaber writes there, Lufisha Lehoyla Chachama Nichbar Reb Avram Ben Ezra, Shte Prutus Miyamov. The Ben Ezra didn't have two Prutus during his days, during his lifetime. That's how poor he was. And he continues the Maise Eifoid, he writes, Varavzal Kosov Kamashire Oni Bikina Delusoi. And Ibn Ezra wrote many songs where he uh, laments his, his, his poverty. Um, and he tries, oh, he says, all types of uh, poems and rhymes. So he used to write these things to try to comfort himself, to be himself. In and about the year of 1135, he left Svarad together with his son Yitzchak. We don't know what happened to his wife, but she, she was not alive. And he started traveling north. Again, he was in the south of Spain, and he started going north. 
at that time in the south of Spain, the Muslims ruled more north, was more the Christians, and there was a lot of tsarists they were having from the Muslims. So it could be that is why he, there was a lot of massacres by the, by the Muslims uh, on, the, on the Jews. And um, in the beginning of Eicha, he writes, Ani Avram Barmeir, Me'eretz Marchakim Hoytzeisani, from a distant land I was taken out, Me'eretz Svarad, from the land of Spain, Hamas Hamatzikim, from the anger of those who oppress us. So it seems that he left because of the tsarists that were going on in the south of Spain. And he actually wrote a kina on Churban Svarad. See, we're used to thinking that the Svarad was uh, destroyed, 1492, the expulsion. But I think when we talked about in the, in the Shir on the Abar Benel, if you remember, we said the golden age of Spain for the Jews wasn't so golden. And here in the uh, early 1100s, there was a lot of Tsarists from the Muslims. And he writes over there about the destruction of Spanish Jewry at the time. On Spain, evil came down from Shemayim. And he writes the year, Elef Shonim Veshivim Shana, a thousand and seventy years, L'Churban from the Churban Habayis. So, if assuming Churban Bayesheni was Be'erech in the year 68 to 70, so um, 1,070 years later is about the years 1138 to 1140. So it makes sense that about 1135, when there was Saris, he left, and later on he wrote a kina about this Churban that happened in Spain. Now, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of um, discussion in the historians. Did, was Rabbi Avram Ibn Ezra ever in Eretz Yisrael? Was he ever in Egypt? Was he in Bavel? Um, but everybody agrees, some try to bring riots from different places, everybody agrees that he was a Novenad. He was always traveling and moving. Like the Rambam, in a letter that he writes to his son, which we'll talk about later, he writes about Ibn Ezra, and he would be like uh, sailing around, floating around the lands. He'd be in one place. He was always on the move. And in fact, we find in his Pirushim, um, about his wanderings. Now, exactly when he wandered, was it now in 1135? Till, as we'll see, the next stop is in about 1141 in Rome. Was it in this Kufa? Was it before 1135 that he roamed and he came back to Svarat? Was it both? Very unclear. But um, in Parsha's boy, by Imperic Yud Pasuk by the Chayshech, he writes, Vinei by the Atlantic Ocean, Yavei Chayshech of, sometimes there's a thick darkness, Shelo a person can't tell the difference between day and night. Um, and this could go on for about five days. And he writes, I was there many times. So exactly where this is, I'm not sure. But you see that he was uh, somewhere on the Atlantic Ocean um, with this phenomenon. In Shmais Parak Tazai in Pasuk Yud Gimel, by the Mon, he writes, um, Aleph Lamed Sadi Kof Yud Reish, which again, it, I saw a lot of um, talk about exactly where this is, but it seems they come out. It's um, it's not Algiers. It's it's in Morocco somewhere um, north near Gibraltar. So he says, I saw something similar to the Mun in this place. Um, in Yeshaya Nun Beis Yudalid, 
he talks about, he says, Zavid Zadavar Yadu, it's well known, Kikama Goyim Yesh Boilam, Shiyachshivu Shaturis Yehudi Mishuni Mikolatsuris. He says, there's a lot of uh, Goyim in the world who think that a Jew looks totally different than regular people. And they actually ask, do Jews have a mouth? Do Jews have an eye? So again, whether he knows this firsthand or not, um, but that's what he writes in the lands of uh, Yishmael and Edaim, there are many Goyim who never saw a Jew and they think that Jews uh, don't look like human beings. There's a very famous Abu Jiram in the Haggadah by Holach Ma'anya, the Acholu Avasana Bar de Mitzrayim, the famous question. This is the matzah that our forefathers ate in land of Mitzrayim. Everyone asked, they ate it on the way out of Mitzrayim. What does it mean they ate in Mitzrayim? So the Abu Dram brings B'Shem Rabbi Yehoisif, um, B'Shem Ben Ezra. Now, most assume that this is our Ibn Ezra. It might have been Ramosha Ibn Ezra um, that we talked about before. It might have been a different Ibn Ezra. But many assume that it's our Rabbi Avram Ibn Ezra, Shayashavu Bahaidu. He was a captive in India. And they fed him matzah because it uh, takes a long time to uh, digest. And therefore you don't have to feed the captives too much. And uh, so the Ibn Ezra was made when he was a captive in, in India. So according to this, he was in India. We don't know why he was a captive there, assuming this is our Ibn Ezra. And that's what the Abu Jam writes, So that's what the Mitzrayim did to the Jews as well. They fed them matzah because it's a, uh, it's a very uh, good thing to feed Avadim. You don't have to feed them um, too much. Um, as we said before, he left in 1135 and he came to Rome. He came to Rome, um, so he went north uh, out of Spain and then down into Italy, south into Rome. And he started to write on Kehelles, and as he writes in Akdam of Kehelis, who may art say Nifrod, Asher Hubisvarad, and from his land, referring to himself, that was in Spain, Vel Roimi Yorad Benefesh Nivelis, and he went down to Rome, Benefesh Nivelis, with like a tumult heart. So again, it sounds like he was running away from, from something. Um, after that, he wandered around Italy a little bit. We find him, or we find the historians say in different places in Italy. He wrote on the Chamish Megillahs, like we started with Kehelas, we talked about Eicha, on the Chamish Megillahs, he wrote on Eov, he wrote Svarim on Dikduk, and other Svarim that he wrote during that time. About the year of 1156, which is again, we started with 1135, so in 1156, we find him in northwest Italy in a city called Luca. Um, in fact, in Parshas Vayishlach, Paraglam Gimel Pasuk Yud, he writes about the different times of, of sunrise, you know, based on where you are, time zone, so to speak, he writes about. And he says, Between Yerushalayim lezoiz hamadina shebechibarti bozeha pirush, between Yerushalayim and this country that I compose this pirush, Ushma Luka, it's the name is Luka, Shaushlisha, it's about an hour and the third of an hour, I guess, difference over there. Um, I don't know exactly, I didn't look in the, it, it sounds like it should be, uh, it should be more than that, but that's what he writes. Um, now, in a poem that he wrote, it seems that when he was in the year, with city of Luca, he got sick, and he writes, The years of his life was eight times eight, 64, and he writes, he got sick, and there was this, a, a person named Reb Moshe, the son of Meir, who took care of him, and I was sick, I made a neder, Levar das bar Sinai to be mevar to explain 
the Taira, the Chamisha Chum Shei Taira. So he's thanking the person who take, took care of him, and it sounds like that when he was sick, he made a nether that he's going to write on Chamisha Chum Shei Taira. And um, in a song that he wrote at the end of his Pirish Ala Taira, he says when he finished it, he says, Yishlamti v'arbas alafim, teisha meos void shivim v'esrim, tough tough kuf chavzayin, so this is 4,927, in our years, which is the year about 1167. Um, he continued to travel northwards to province in the south of France, and we find a very interesting Tshuva Sarajba. And Tshuva Sarajba, Chelek Aleph, it's not Tshuva Taf Yod Ches, there's different numbers there, but it's under Taf Yod Ches. A Talmud of the Raja by, by the name of Yad Baravram Bardashi. He's writing a long, long letter, and it's not called the Tshuva, it's called Ksavis Natsalus, which is like an excuse or a, or a defense. The Rajba, which is, this is talking about, the Rajba was about 100 years after the Ibn Ezra. Um, the Ibn Ezra was in the mid-1100s, the Rajba was in the mid-1200s, and late-1200s. Um, so it's 100 years later, the Rajba, if you remember, we talked about this in the Shir on the Rush a very long time ago, and the Shir on the Barbanel, the Rajba was very upset about the learning of philosophy. And I guess he was very upset at the city province for learning philosophy. So his Talmud wrote a long letter explaining why they learn and how it came about. And in the middle, he writes about the different Gedailim. He says at the end, that the Ben Ezra came to province. He was well known. Our fathers tell us, the great joy in this land. Everyone came out to greet him. And the Ibn Ezra was a big philosopher. And that's what he, why he brought him into this to this conversation. But you see that we're still a hundred years talking about the Roshim that Ibn Ezra made when he came to this city. He continued north in France. Now, now we're getting out of the world of Sfardim. We're getting up into the Ashkenazim, um, Baliatayisvus. And he eventually came to the city of Ramarup, the place of Rabbeinu Tam and the Baliatayisvus, the Ashkenazim. And he was accepted there as well, covered Gadol. And again, these were Svardim and Ashkenazim, they were world apart, um, you know, the Baliatayisvus. And um, in fact, Rabbeinu Tam himself wrote a little song, Likavoy Dibin Ezra, and he wrote, And he Evid Avram Lemikne, I'm a, a servant to Avram. I'm going to bow down in front of him. Rabbi Ibn Ezra answered with a shear, and he said, Chalila l'malach halikim, Chalila for a malach Hashem, meaning Rabbeinu Tama, asher yikod v'yishtachav elabilam, that he should bow down to Bilam. The Bilam bows down to the malach, the malach doesn't bow down to Bilam. So you see the great respect um, that Rabbeinu Tam had for him. And in fact, the Briskarov said, although we'll see later, people had some tightness on the Ibn Ezra, he says, one of the big riots we have is that Rabbeinu Tam was maying on him that he would bow down to him. Now, in fact, Taisvis in Rosh Hashanah, Yagim al brings down that Hiksha, Rabbeinu Ibn Ezra, Vahechivloi Rabbeinu Tam. And in Kedushin, Daflam and Zayin, Amad Beis is the same, uh, same discussion in Taisus. There, there it doesn't say, just as Rabbeinu Tam answered, he was, he was Metaritz. But over here in Rosh Hashanah, Gimel says, Veheshiv, Loi Rabbeinu Tam. So this was a discussion that the Ibn Ezra had with Rabbeinu Tam. In about the year 1158, he ended up in London. He ended up in London. And he wrote a sefer, the Yisait Moira. 
And um, in the Ksaviyad, there's a Ksaviyad that it says over there, Ani Avram, Hachiloisi lechaber ze hasefer lekosve bi'ir londerish. Cause a londerish be in Glitteria, in the uh, island of Inglateria. So this is England and London. In the year, in the Be'erach Tammuz, I started in Tammuz, I finished in Av. Took four weeks. Shnas chameos ishmaneser shana lebrias elam. So that's the year 1158. We know he was in London. Now in London, he also wrote a sefer called Igeres HaShabbos, which is a fascinating story. And he writes there that he had a dream on, on Shabbos night that he, someone came to him, a malach came to him and gave him a letter from Shabbos. And in that letter, Shabbos gives him Musr about Kedusha Shabbos and Chilul Shabbos. And he said, what do you mean? I love Shabbos. I'm a Kaddish Shabbos. What's going on? And they told him that, no, you just got to your house, Pirushim, Svarim al and in one of those Pirushim it says to be Mechalo Shabbos, and you have to fight against it. So he got up, and he didn't know what to do, and he went to look at the Svarim, and he found in one of the Svarim, that when it says, Vayi'ere, Vayi Vaiker, Yaimechad, so it's, you know, we Jews, the night comes first, we translate the Pasuk, it was first night, then it was morning, and that is a day. But this Pirish said, Vayerev, there was the evening, Vayivayker, when it got to the morning, the day ended. Meaning that the day goes first day and then night, and the next morning is a new day. Which would mean to say, Shabbos is a totally different than we have it. Um, so he writes, Uchimat Karati Begodi, I almost tore my clothing when I saw this Pshat, Vigam Karati Zeha Pirish, but I tore out, can you imagine, on Shabbos he writes, he tore out this Pirish from the Sefer, Ki Amardi Toiv Lechalu Shabbos Achas, Velechalu Shabbos Harbe. Now even though I, I don't understand, he could have waited till after Shabbos till he got rid of the Pirish, but he says, better to be Mechalu one Shabbos, not to be Mechalu Shabbos Harbe, unless he was afraid that Talmidim were going to look at it, I don't know. Um, anyone's going to see this terrible pirish. And he says, I made a nether that I'm not going to go to sleep after Shabbos until I wrote, write a letter that explains how this is incorrect. Now, who was this pirish? This pirish was actually the pirish of the Rashbam. Rabbeinu Tam's brother, the Rashbam on Chumash. And for whatever reason, this is what the Rashbam writes. However, the Ben Ezra, you know, he had covered for the Rashbam, and for the covered of the Rashbam and the covered of Shabbos, he writes that he is asking anyone to print this Pirush in their Chumashim. And he actually wrote a klala to any cipher that prints it. Zeroya Yamina Godoya Tigda, his right hand should be cut off. The Ain Yamina and his right eye should become blinded if any cipher prints this Pirush. And that is why, if you will look at all old. Mikrois Gedailus Chumashim, there is no Pirish of the Rashbam to Parshas Vayera. They were all afraid of the Klala of the Ibn Ezra. Take a look at any old print of the Mikrois Gedailus. So this is for hundreds of years afterwards, nobody printed the Pirish of the Rashbam. Only recently, in the last number of years, with the new prints of Chumashim, Chumash Hamar and other prints, they started printing it. For whatever reason, I don't know. Um, could be the Ibn Ezra was afraid that people will take the Pirish incorrectly and then be Michal Shabbos, and nowadays we understand that that's not going to happen, perhaps, and they felt that they're allowed to print it, but that is why you will not find the Rashbam's Pirish in the old Chumashim till Vayera. They left out all those Parshias, all because of this one Pasuk that the Ibn Ezra cursed anyone from printing. It seems that after London, he ended up in Narvona, France again, maybe ended up in Kalahara, Spain, it's not very clear, um, this is from different historians. It's not very clear. He kept on wandering. 
Now, one of his big muhammas in his pirish in the in Chumash is against the Karoim. We mentioned the Karoim in the Shir on the on the Bartanura a few weeks ago, and um, was that last week the Bartanura? I already lost track. Um, yeah, last week was the Bartanura. Um, we mentioned the Karoim, and uh, he speaks very sharply against them. And uh, could be that's again why he didn't want the Pirish of the Rashbam there, because of the Karoim, which would take it and totally pervert Yiddishkeit from it and Shabbos. And nowadays that's not such a problem. And he writes very, uh, like in Bereshis, Perak Lamed Vav, Lamed Aleph, Omar Besifra Yitzchaki was a famous Karoi, he said in his Sefer, and he writes about him, Achi Karashma Yitzchak, is the reason they called Yitzchak Kalashemeya Yitzchak Lai. Anyone who hears him should laugh at him. A play on that Pasuk. V'sifrei Royli Saref. And he writes there, you should burn his Sefer. And there was another Karoi named Benzuta. It says in Parshas Mishpatim and Shmaischa Falif Lamed Hey, it says, V'chiyugayf Ish, Shar Ish Eshar Rei Ehu. It says, the Shar of his friend. But he translated the Rei Ehu going on the friend, that an axe gores his friend the axe. So he writes, Amar Benzuta Lashar. It's a friend of the Shar. He's, he says, the only friend that an axe has is Benzuta Levada. Is this Benzuta? He's like an axe and that's his friend. So he's very sharp about it. And in fact, the Ramban in Vayikra Tezayin Chavtes writes, Kvarbir Avram, the Rabbi Avram already explained, Listoim Piem Shal Karoim. Rabbi Avram already explained this to shut the mouths of the Karoim. Mechuke Shem, their name should be erased. Now the Ramban who lived the generation after the Ben Ezra in his Akdama to Chumash, he writes, V'im Rabbi Avram Ben Ezra, with Rabbi Avram Ben Ezra, Tialanu Teichacha Megula, we're going to have an open rebuke, Ba'ava Mistura, but it's going to be a hidden Ava. And the Ramban has a lot of sharp things to say against the Ibn Ezra in numerous places, but when you put it into perspective that he's clearly saying, I have a love for him, it's a hidden love, but I think I heard from Meir Rabbi Rav Revda that he said in such situations, he's talking about Parshas Vayigash, we find that the, uh, that the, um, the, the, the Ramban writes about him, Molten gold should be poured down the mouth of this Chacham. Rav Revda said, when, when, when Gedolim feel that there's like a, 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 a mistake in, in one of the fundamentals of Yiddishkeit, they come f- with fire, with, with, with strength. But it doesn't mean that he didn't have a love for him. And in fact, the Ramban actually writes in Shmois um, Vav, He's like a misnabe veniyadeya. He's like he said nevuah without realizing what he said because he was totally correct. So even though in many places he writes very sharply about him, but when you put it into perspective, um, he held of him very much. Um, when the Ramban, like I said, would see things that he felt were neged halacha or neged chazal, he would be very strong against it. Now the Chidah writes, in Shem HaGadolim, he brings B'Shem someone that um, they wrote that even though there are places that the Ibn Ezra seems to go Keneged Chazal, um, but there are places that a Talmud of the Ibn Ezra added things into his Pirish. And he writes over there that this, this Sefer wrote that any Lashon that is Keneged Chazal, you should know are from the Talmidim and not from the Ibn Ezra. So the Chidah writes, If that's taka true, so, you know, it's, it's a comfort for us. He says, the only problem is that many times, times the Ramban himself writes very sharply against Ibn Ezra. So he cl- seemed to claim it wasn't a Talmud, it was actually the Ibn Ezra himself. 
Now this might answer why sometimes the Ramban does write against Ibn Ezra, other times he doesn't. Maybe those other times when he doesn't, that's where the Talmidim put it in and that's not something the Ramban him ever, himself ever saw. So there's a lot of uh, unknown over here. But he clearly had, like he said, an Ava Mistura for him. The Rambam, who was also the generation after Ibn Ezra, also held of him very stark. Like we mentioned before, a letter that he wrote to his son. And he says, I'm commanding you, You should not look into any other Pirushim Mechiburim, only in the Ibn Ezra's Pirushim. This Chacham the Ibn Ezra wasn't afraid of anyone. And the Ramban says, if not for this Chacham, there are certain things I never would have been Aymedan. He was Ma'irim, he awakened me to certain Inyanim um, through his Pirushim. Um, so this is what he writes. Now, the, 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 if you remember in the Shir on the Marshal, from a very long time ago, in his Akdamat Yam Shoshleimah, he's very unhappy with this Rambam. Um, and he speaks very strongly against the Rambam and the Ibn Ezra. And he says, uh, of the Ibn Ezra, Eser, Hatter. And uh, he wrote he wrote very strong Lushinus Aina Ben Talmud, because he goes against Chazal, he's not uh, someone who learned Talmud. A uh, hard thing to understand the Marsha, but he writes very stark against this letter that the Rambam that the Rambam wrote. And we'll see uh, another piece in uh, another detail um, in a few minutes. So this was the Rambam and um, the Ramban. Now, another thing that Ibn Ezra was very stark, he wrote very strongly and very sharply against the piyutim of Rabbi Lezer HaKalir. And sometimes he almost almost makes fun of him even um, on, on some of the stanzas of his piyutim. And it seems when they put together the tainas, one of the tainas he has on him that his piyutim are chidois umishalim, they are very um, deep uh, riddles and parables that regular people can't understand. And the truth is, the Rebbe Lazar, Kalir's piyutim are very hard to understand. His kinois on Tishabav are very hard to understand. His piyutim that you say in Yom Neiroim at different times, they're, they're, they're very, written very poetically and very hard to understand. Another thing he had tainas on him, since the Ibn Ezra was very big into Diktuk and Lashon HaKadosh, that he mixes together Lashon HaKadosh and Lashon Talmud, I guess that bothers him very much that he didn't keep the pristine Lashon HaKadosh. Um, and he also writes, which sounds like he didn't follow the rules of diktuk. Um, it's just like an open, open city with no wall. Um, it seems he's bothered a little bit by the Midrashim. I'm not 100% sure what that taina was that's full of Midrashim and Agadis. I'm not sure exactly why that's, why that's a taina. In the Tshuva Me'ava, Tshuva Me'ava is the Talmud of the Night of Yehud, and Simon Aleph and Beis, he actually goes and he defends Rebbe Lazar HaKalir, and he answers many of the tainas that the Ibn Ezra has on Rebbe Lazar um, HaKalir. Now we said before that he left with his son Yitzchak. His, his son Yitzchak seems to have been traveled part of the time with him. Um, it seems he ended up in Baghdad, whether the Ibn Ezra himself was also in, in Iraq and Baghdad. Again, we don't know. It seems for a point that his son Yitzchak um, um, converted to Islam, Islam, um, but then he did tshuva and he came back to Yiddishkeit and he actually wrote a piyot himself to be mazber that he was never over on any surim. He only did it because they pressured him, so he, you know, claimed his allegiance to uh, to, to Mohammed and to Islam, which the Rambam in in, in Iger Sashmad says uh, uh, under pressure one you could do that. It's not Yahar Valyavar. but uh, a little bit after he, he did tshuva. 
and he actually got sick and he died. And when the and when the Shmuel came to the Ben Ezra, he was he was very broken and he he mourned him uh, immensely. And he wrote uh, kinais and 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 different um, um, uh, piyutim about his pain over losing his son. Now, <clears throat> the Chida writes that Matzasil Rav Zechariah ibn Soruk. He was the Rav in one of the most, or in many of the very prominent Spanish um, Kehilais. And he writes there, this uh, Reb Zechariah, I saw the Chidushim of the Ibn Ezra, and he says they're very exact. Says the Chido Ureiza Chidish. This is a Chidish. Ki Rabbi Avram Ibn Ezra Chibur Chidushim Alashas. This is the first time we heard that he has Chidushim Alashas. We know he has on Megillas. We know he has on Tanakh. Chamisha Chum Sheitayra. Diktuk. All different types of things. But to, that he wrote on Shas. Remember the the uh, the, the Yam Shishlaim has said that he wasn't uh, a Ben Talmud. Um, here it seems that he had Chidushim on Shas as well. And the Chida writes as a Chidush. Um, that uh, that we don't know about. Now, as we know, as part of his, his songs and his piyutim, some of the zmiras that we sing are from the Ben Ezra. The zmira for Yom Shabbos, Ki Eshmira, is from him. And of course, the, the zmira of Tzama Nafshi, Tzama Nafshi Kelchai, is from the is from the Ibn Ezra. In Chut HaMeshulosh, the Chsam Soifer, is brought at the Chsam Soifer, Friday night, his minigwas, he would come home, and he would sing Eishas Chayil, and then he would sing the shir of Tzoma Nafshi that the Ibn Ezra wrote. This is before Kiddush. Nothing else. He wouldn't sing anything else. V'hifling moed b'shvach hashir. And I think it's the Chesam Soifer. Zainiko writes that the Chesam Soifer would be m'shabeach, the praise of this shir. Shu amuk b'kabola. It's in the depths of Kabbalah. V'shabeli safik ruach ha-kodesh ha-rsolav kashar chibrai. And the Chesam Soifer would say, b'li safik, that when the Ibn Ezra composed this shir, Tzoma Nafshi, um... He was with Ruach HaKodesh when he composed it. In the Chuvas Eretz Svi from Rav, Rav Frimer, he was the, the, the Mashkiach in, in Chachme Lublin, he writes there, I heard from the Sachachover that he said over B'Shem Rabunim from Pshischa, that Rabunim said, I don't understand how the Ben Ezra was able to live five minutes in his life so Rabunim Pshischa said an interesting thing. I don't know how he knew this, but he said that I don't understand the Yerushamayim and the Pachad, I guess, of Chet and of the Rabbi Nishalam that Dibin Ezra had. I don't understand how he was able to live five minutes of his life. Very interesting. In Parshas Behaloischa and the Pasuk, the Levim should be for me. This is what the Rabbi Nishalam said. The Ibn Ezra writes over there, Vizu Maila Gedaila. This is a great and lofty level. Sir Mendel Zaks, the son-in-law of the Chavetz Chaim, said that the Chavetz Chaim said um, that, he said in Yiddish, the Kinnah, Hatab Gitribin Dasashribin. It was the jealousy that drove the Ibn Ezra to write this Pirish. What does that mean? So he explained. He says, the highest level a person could reach is that Hashem would say about him, he's mine. That's the highest level a person could reach in this world. So he says that, um, that um, the kinah, 
that the Ibn Ezra had, the jealousy he had towards the Levium, that the Taira said about them, Vahoyuli, their mind, which was Mataras Chayev. This was the whole purpose. This was the whole goal of life and of the Ibn Ezra's life, to reach a level where Hashem would say about him, Zu um, Vahoyuli, you are mine. That is why, that kinah, that jealousy, that they achieved that level, says the Chavetz Chaim, that is why he wrote, Zumayla Gedayla. Pushed from his jealousy, drove, a kinah's chachma, not a bad jealousy, a good jealousy, that, to write that pirish. Now he wrote many svarim, according to the Chidah, he wrote svarim harbei. Some, I saw somewhere someone wrote that he wrote 108 svarim. The Chidah says, Ksasam Nidvesu, only some of them were printed. Um, many of them are in manuscript form, like the Chidah writes, Vani Hatzoyer, I the young one, Risi Kamasvarim Shechiber, I saw uh, numerous Svarim that he composed, Vahim Biksavyad, many of them in manuscripts, Vikam Chachmas, in many different Chachmas, astrology, astronomy, all these types of things. Now, again, we don't know exactly where he was Nifter. Some say he was Nifter in London, some say he was Nifter in Spain, others say he was Nifter in Eretz Yisrael. If I'm correct, somewhere in North Eretz Yisrael, there's a place where a, ca- a cave where they claim is his is kever. No one knows exactly um, where he was Nifter. Um, like we said, we don't know exactly when he was Nifter either, not the year, not the date. Just at the end of his Pirish on Chumash, Someone wrote in there, they assume it's a Talmud or someone who knew him, Uviyayim Shaini Bereshchedesh Adarishan, and Yayim Shaini, the first day of Reshchedesh Adarishan, Shnas Tav Tav Kuf Chav Zayin, 1167, Nifter Ibn Ezra. That the Ibn Ezra was Nifter, and they write that either at the time he was Nifter or the year he was Nifter, he said about himself, Avram ben Shivim Vichameshana Bitsaysay. Now the Pasuk says, Bitsaysay Mecharan. Avram was 75 when he left Charan. The way Avram, the Ibn Ezra said it, When he left the world of anger, he had a very hard life. So he was 75 years old when he left. So he either said that when he was Nifter or near when he was Nifter. And that is how we get to the date that we began, that according to this, he was Nifter in 1167, plus he was 75 years old. So you work out the math in exactly when he was born. But like I said, um, it's still, the historians are not 100% sure about the accuracy of any of this. And this is the Ibn Ezra. Have a wonderful day, everyone. And a freilich purim katan. Kaltov.